Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, assistant pastor at First Presbyterian Church in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Awesome, man. It's exciting. I'm excited about you and your family moving to Dyersburg and getting uh, into your work there. Um, what's the how, how soon before you move? So I've actually started working, I'm just working remotely, kind of getting things ready because we're getting ready to launch a youth group, hopefully at the end of the month. And so I've been doing a lot of prep work for that and writing papers and everything for ordination. Um, we're hoping we put an offer in on a house, hoping that's going to close um, first of September, mid-September at the latest. Um, it's a rural development loan, so it takes a little longer. But um, as soon as that gets closed, man, everything else is kind of ready so it's a hurry up and wait situation but we're we're anxious to get to Dyersburg for sure absolutely absolutely we're here we're in season two episode 10 of our series unhelpful phrases in christianese engage most uh, up to this point all the phrases that we have talked about have been maybe the ones that would come from maybe the right side of the political spectrum from a big evangelical world. Uh, this one is one that you hear more often from those outside of the church and also from some inside the church that are of, that might identify as progressive Christians. And the phrase goes something like this. It's the phrase might be, I'm a red letter Christian. You'll hear people say that. Uh, and sometimes what they mean by that is they mean, maybe they'll they'll press in on a on a phrase and say Jesus never mentioned homosexuality and and therefore homosexuality must be something that uh is the 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 conservative christian teaching that homosexuality is sinful that can't be true because Jesus never mentioned it and and they would say look in the red letters in your bible do, do you see it in the red letters? And so why is that problematic, that way of, of unpacking and figuring out what the Bible does and doesn't say and what the faith should and shouldn't teach? Why is that a problematic way to do that? Yeah, so there's um, kind of some uh, proponents of this perspective are guys like Tony Campalo um, and, and others. They've even kind of come up with um, – you know, red letter revolution, that, that sort of um, kind of perspective. The idea here, uh, you kind of alluded to this, is they're only going to take what Jesus said as Christianity. And everything else is kind of pushed to the side or disregarded because as secondary or added later or um, not relevant to my life and, and walk as a Christian. And so they're only going to focus on the red letters. Maybe your Bible um, has put all of Jesus's words in red letters. Uh, that's not originally how the scriptures were. That's a, that's a 
a publishing edition that we now have. Um, but because of that, a lot of people focus on a Jesus only um, Christianity, which on face value sounds like, well, of course, we want to follow Jesus. We want to listen to what he has to say, but they do that at the expense of the apostles and prophets, right? And Ephesians 4 tells us that that the entire church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, meaning that the scriptures um, tell us that the church, everything that we, we believe, our theology, our understanding of our way of life and, and practice comes from the writings and the prophets, the Old Testament, and the apostles, the writings in the, in the New Testament. So when they do that, they now create this unnecessary division between Jesus and everyone that the Holy Spirit inspired to write for the scriptures. Right, right. That's exactly right. They, they create a, a canon within a canon, um, and, and they're pitting Jesus against Paul, Jesus against Peter, Jesus against John, Jesus against the prophets. And, and, and therefore, it's, a, it's an entirely new hermeneutic or an entirely new grid through which to read the Bible that is inconsistent with the way that Christians have understood Scripture for 2,000 years. Um, we, the truth is, if we have a right, and, this, and listen, this is a serious thing in the church, and it's going to continue to get more and more serious as, as debates about gender, about the roles of men and women, about homosexuality, about uh, uh, abortion, about all sorts of things that Jesus in, in the red letters didn't address, seemingly didn't address. Uh, so you're, whether, no matter what kind of church you're in, you're going to begin hearing people parroting some of these things. And so we need to be able to push back with a confessional, orthodox, historic understanding of inspiration and what the Bible teaches when we rightly understand the scripture, the, the message of the, of, of the Bible is that in, in, in one sense, we believe that all of the Bible is God's word, that in that sense, all of the words in the Bible should be read. If we're going to put the let, if we're going to put the words of God and we all believe those who would call themselves red letter Christians, they believe Jesus is God. If we're going to put the words of God in red, we need to put all of them in red. Second mm -hmm. Timothy three sixteen. all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. You know, Paul could have said all scripture is God breathed, especially the words of Jesus, but he didn't do that because it would be redundant because Jesus, all the scripture is God breathed. So it's all God's word and it's all useful for uh, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Another, another one that, uh, that we should remember is second Peter chapter one, where Peter says for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but mm -hmm. men spoke from God as they were carried along by the spirit. By the spirit. Yep. Well, and, and also, you know, you can add to that, that Jesus uh, gives authenticity to Moses and Moses's writings when he's talking to the scribes and the Pharisees. And he says that Moses was talking about me. Yeah. So, so now if you're going to include all of what Jesus has said, you now also have to include everything that's talking about Jesus. Hey, surprise, that's the whole Bible. Um, or uh, you get into a really weird situation in John 14 uh, through 16, where you have the Holy Spirit, 
um, being explained and, and the, the promise of the comforter. And one of the things that Jesus tells the uh, disciples is he will help you recall all the things that I taught you. Uh, well, why would he need to do that if it wasn't so they could write it down so that we could have the scriptures, right? That was, that was super in, intentional. And so now you, you, you have to do what I also taught, call origami with the text, right? You have to kind of, you know, you ever seen origami yet? You yeah. take a piece of paper and, and fold it in all sorts of different ways to make, make something. You have to take the scriptures and take all of 2000 years of Christian history and theology and canon and you have to um, fold it and twist it and, and develop it in, in, into a way that fits your hermeneutic to where now you've got uh, Jesus saying things he didn't say. And you've all, often even have um, what I would even say is a, a progressive um, version of the uh, regulative principle, right? As, as reformed people, we have um, the regulative principle that kind of guides our understanding of worship. Uh, and one of the things that, that people kind of critique about that is, well, you only allow things that are in scripture. And if scripture doesn't say it, you don't, don't do it. And they don't quite understand the nuance of what we mean by that. We, we handled that in the previous episode when we talked about worship in season right. one, but um, this is, is basically in the same vein where we're only going to allow things that Jesus said. And if Jesus right. didn't say it, then it must not be a problem. I mean, by that logic, Jesus didn't talk about cars. So are cars bad? Right, right. Jesus didn't talk about the internet. Jesus didn't talk about cell phones. Jesus didn't talk about science. Jesus didn't talk about schools. I mean, there, there are tons of things that Jesus didn't talk about um, that if we take the the stance that just because Jesus didn't talk about it, we we shouldn't believe it or we shouldn't give um, any of our attention and time to the the where that leads to taking that to its logical conclusion leads to some really messy and and in, inconsistent spaces. Well, and 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 the fact that if you're going to if you're going to um, elevate, if you're going to develop this grid in which we pit. Um, Jesus, who's the son of God against um, Paul, then you need to also elevate Jesus, who's the son of God against Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who have chosen by their understanding, what of Jesus teaching we're going to include and what we're not. So even then you're back into the trap of, 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 the words of Jesus. What we have are the words of Jesus and their understanding are the words of Jesus that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John chose to include, because we all would agree that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't tell us every word that ever proceeded from Christ's mouth. You could, all the books in the world would not hold all that he had written. Right. Uh, we know. Um, and so you, you, even then you can't get away from what, from, from the, the role of, of human men that God used. This is why our confessions say that, that, um, that the, the Bible was written by, by holy men who were taught by the Holy spirit. Um, and that, and that all scripture is God. And so this happens sometimes. I, I don't want to go off on too much of a rabbit trail, but this is a danger in having a Bible with the letters printed in red because right. it, it, it causes us to, to, to give more weight 
to Jesus than to Paul, whom Jesus appeared to and commissioned to go and, and continue teaching the church. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And the other thing um, that it does, because there's nothing new under the sun, um, it questions the validity of the work of the Holy Spirit when you get right down to it right? That if we believe that all scripture is inspired by God, and we also believe that the Holy Spirit um, inspired and worked in the lives of the writings of the Old Testament, um, as well as the apostles and prophets, uh, not not just um, the the New Testament, but all the books of the Old Testament, um, to question that and say, we're only going to give credence and give um, legitimacy to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And even in that, only the things that Jesus said inside of that in some weird, you know, Thomas Jefferson-esque hermeneutic. Yeah. um, You've now offended the Holy Spirit. And so to let you know that this isn't new, John Calvin was was dealing with this with the with the Roman Catholic Church during the Reformation, right? All this is is a section of the church elevating their authority above the scriptures. And, and I want to read this quote to you. This is from his institutes. Um, you know, it's always a good day when you can quote Calvin, especially when Calvin's kind of snarky. So I'll, I'll preface with that, but he makes a valid point here in kind of doing the same thing. Here's what he says. Many people commit the fatal error of believing that scripture has only such value as the church agrees to accord it. So that's the same thing the red letter Christianity is doing as if God's eternal and inviolable truth depended on men's good pleasure for they ask not without great offense to the Holy spirit who can prove to us that scripture is from God who can assure us that it's been preserved whole until our own day who can persuade us that one book is to be received and obeyed and another rejected unless the church makes a positive ruling in all such things. Accordingly, they conclude that it is for the church to determine what reverence we owe scripture and what books go to make it up. In this way, these blasphemers seek to impose a monstrous tyranny under the cover of the church and are indifferent to the absurdities in which they trap themselves and others as long as they can convince the ignorant that the church is free to do anything it pleases. Wow. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't mince words. No, I mean, you know, it's monstrous tyranny. I wish I could find uh, opportunity to, to call something a monstrous tyranny, uh, but that would really just me be me arguing with somebody on Facebook. And I don't know that I want to do that, but like at the end of the day, there's nothing new under the sun. Calvin is dealing with this same category of issue 500 plus years ago with the Roman Catholic church. Um, as he's pushing back that they were elevating their authority above scripture, that scripture only um, is validated if the church universal says so, right? That the councils give credence to it. And, and Calvin's going, yeah, but what if you find something you don't like and you just decide now all of a sudden it's not valid? I don't, I don't have to give reference to it. How do I know? And you start to question the validity and the truthfulness and the, uh, inerrancy of scripture, that's problematic. That makes you uh, a blasphemer because you are um, offending God, the Holy Spirit. Well, in this same vein, when you say, 
I'm only going to believe the red letters of Jesus and I'm going to ignore everything else. We've kind of already mentioned this. You ignore the things where Jesus gave validity to like Moses. You ignore the work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to his, his disciples. You ignore all of the Old Testament at the expense um, of Jesus because it, it talks about Jesus. It, talk, it promises you where he's going to be uh, born and, and how he's going to die and that he's going to be born to a virgin and um, that he's going to fulfill all these promises, including being from the, the line of David and so on and so forth. Um, you throw all that out the window and you honestly question the work of the Holy Spirit in your attempt to um, create this new wave of Christianity that fits your lifestyle. Yeah. We've used a couple of of vocabulary words, one in particular that we might need to, to uh, unpack here. And that is the phrase hermeneutics. This is hermeneutics. Hermeneutics is the, is the, the art and science of rightly interpreting the Bible. Um, And we probably should do an episode or a series of episodes unpacking that. But, um, what hermeneutics, uh, how important it is that Christians understand how to interpret the Bible correctly. Um, and because that's what's at stake here is this is a particular hermeneutic. And those, those uh, Tony Campolo and those, those red letter Christians would not say, we're th- they wouldn't say we're throwing out Paul. We're, we're, right. we're throwing out uh, um, Peter. We're, we're not throwing out the prophets, but we're going to give more weight to this. And so we're going to read it in a certain way. And one of the things they say is they say the letter, the words of Jesus, especially in the sermon on the Mount. And Mm -hmm. so, but the problem with that is it, you cannot separate this. You can't just take an exacto knife to the sermon on the Mount as a standalone thing and divorce it from all the rest of what the Old Testament had been saying about the coming Messiah mm-hmm. and all of what the rest of the, of the ministry of Jesus and the writings of the apostles is going to. That's taking, that's taking a, a, a beautiful jigsaw puzzle and, and picking out a, a handful of pieces and mm-hmm. framing them uh, and putting them on a wall and leaving the rest of the, leaving the rest of the, your, your puzzle with this big hole in it, and then just taking those up and saying that's really, um, that's really the important part. The rest of this is just kind of extraneous, and it it's it it does great damage to um, our our ability to make sense of the Bible. Well, and also <laughs> to treat the um, the Sermon on the Mount like a class in in ethics. Mm-hmm. Uh, is to misunderstand what the Sermon on the Mount is, is doing to begin with, right? Because then you have to do, again, taking it to its logical conclusion, you have to do really weird things when it says, blessed are the pure in heart. Okay, so how do I, how, I need to work really hard to be pure at heart. What happens if I mess up? Am I no longer pure at heart? Is it a, is it a one, one shot deal? I mean, how does that work? Um, you know, all, all of those things, you, you start to do uh, really weird things, even with the Sermon on the Mount, when you try to use it as a um, charter for your, um, your Christianity. That's, that's not what Jesus was doing there at all, even. Yeah, yeah, because he, he, 
when when you uh, those people who would say that are are they gouging out their eyes? Are they cutting off their hands? Um, if your if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Um, right. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Jesus is is talking about the seriousness of sin, mm-hmm. and he's saying if if you could actually cut your hand off and it would keep you from sinning, it would totally be worth it. If right. if that would fix it it would be totally worth it. But it isn't, you know, we read on, we don't find any record anywhere else in the canon of Jesus telling anybody to cut off their arm or their hand to, to gouge out their eyes. We don't see any, we don't see Paul in the, in, when he writes to the church at Corinth, we don't see Paul prescribe any dismemberment or mutilation. And so when we, when we pluck this, uh, this out, these few puzzle pieces out, we're not we're not bringing clarity to to the Christian life. We're 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 actually lifting up an ethic that's just impossible to keep. Um, which is the which is the point? the The purpose of the whole of, of the Sermon on the Mount is to humble us and to show us right. that we don't measure up. Is to humble us. Is to point us to the one who has fulfilled all righteousness. the The purpose of the Sermon on the Mount is to cause us to hunger and thirst for righteousness, to make us see that we're not righteous. So, um, so let's ask this question, Scott, as we have with every um, unhelpful Christianese that we've dissected through this season. Um, what do you think led to this perspective? Why do you think there are, there are those that, that take such a hard stance that they only want the red letters of Jesus? Where do you think this comes from? Well, I think it. I think it comes to from from not wanting to engage with. This is very similar to Andy Stanley's thing. He said recently that we need to unhitch Christianity from the Old Testament because it has it has hard to hear, hard to understand things that, re- that require some explanation. Um, things about 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 slavery and mm. and and Levitical laws. Uh, and and ceremonial laws and mixed fabrics and not eating a goat that was cooked in the milk of its mother and um, a, a lot of things that require some some study and some unpacking um, that can't easily be answered on a bumper sticker and so because we're lazy um, because we don't know how to how to stand up to the challenges of our unbelieving neighbors because we see the culture moving closer and closer to an embrace of, of homosexuals. Um, and also let's be honest because there have been those in the church who have, if you want to take homosexuality, uh, those in the church who have been incredibly unkind to people right. who struggle with same sex addiction, Correct. incredibly, uh, in, incredibly uh, mean spirited, and who have lifted up homosexuality as being the 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 worst sin out there, rather than saying all sexual sin is an affront to God. All sexual sin, everybody struggles with sexual sin. Everybody has uh, uh, cravings in their loins that are not in keeping with what God commands, uh, and so. So because of uh, problems, abuses that have happened in, in, uh, under the name of Christianity uh, and because of just a discomfort in having to say, yes, the Bible says that homosexuality is sinful. Uh, 
uh, is there a way I can wiggle out from under that? Well, I can if I if I develop a hermeneutic that highlights just the things that Jesus mentioned. Um, Jesus didn't talk about human trafficking, right? But it's still, I mean, but he, but, but yeah. everybody would agree human trafficking is something that we, the church, need to fight against. Jesus Correct. didn't didn't. There's a number of things that we, yeah, as you as you mentioned earlier, there's another thing, number of things that Jesus didn't mention, um, but but that the rest of the canon does. So I, I think uh, uh, churches have failed to teach hermeneutics. Churches have failed to teach how to uh, how to rightly understand, how to rightly divide the word of truth. Um, and we've just evolved into kind of a bumper sticker Christianity. Um, mm. And so when, what do I do with some of these passages from, from Paul? Uh, what do I do with some of these passages about uh, the role of women in the church? What do I do with some of these passages about um, slavery in the old Testament? How can I easily understand? Well, one is I can through study I can come to understand them in context. I can come to understand them in their historical context. I can come to understand what, what's being said and I can harmonize them with the rest of scripture. Mm -hmm. That's not easy. That's hard. That, that requires, um, that requires some study and some time, or I can, I can abandon that and just say, well, Jesus didn't mention it. And so if Jesus didn't mention it, I'm going to just, I'm just going to, not worry about it, or I'm going to right. push back against it. I, I think that's what's going on. I don't want to be unkind to those, uh, those who are trying to say this, but I do want to graciously push back and say, you are doing damage to the scripture and you're not actually helping people understand the whole counsel of God. Well, and, and I think too, um, and this kind of goes back to the point we were making last episode with, um, my desire and I know your desire and others to help people critically think because that seems to be such um, an absence in our culture, yeah. you know, um, that your, your actions have consequences. And so if you take a hard stance against the, everything else that isn't the red letters of Jesus, where does that logically take you? If you, um, try to maneuver your position to avoid offending people ever um, or offending the, the high things of, of our culture and our society in America right now, what, what are you doing in the process? And, and, and I think, yes, not only should we spend some time wrestling with the historical context and do the best we can to, at first, understand what was the author's intent when they wrote what they wrote how did the the for the audience the immediate audience understand what was being said what was the author trying to communicate to that said author audience and then bridge the gap to our understanding secondarily i think you start there and then if you're still unclear you use the 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 reformers principle of have the clear passage is the things you know to be true. This is where you can um, say, yes, Jesus never talked about human trafficking, but we have enough in the scriptures outside of Jesus's red letters to tell you that human trafficking is sinful and evil. Take the clear passages 
and let those clear passages interpret those other passages that are perceived to be unclear. And what you'll find if you'll do those things, you'll find understanding. And then the other thing is, if you reach an understanding that makes you bristle, if you, re- if you reach an understanding that makes you uncomfortable and makes you have to kind of wrestle with things, at the end of the day, these are the very words of God. And so you have to acknowledge that and you have to say, okay, I'm going to put myself under scripture because the, these are God-breathed words. And I may not understand it. I may, may not like it and I may not be okay with it, but Holy Spirit, will you help me with this? Amen. Will, you, will you help me to understand that? And I think if you come to a place of humility where at the end of the day, God is the highest authority in the room and you um, can be shaped and molded and, and changed, um, you'll find a better understanding overall. Amen. Amen. Well, hopefully in, in the coming episodes, we'll have a chance to, to, to talk a little bit more about hermeneutics, about how important it is that we have a, we have a consistent and, um, helpful uh, mm-hmm. way of unpacking our Bible un- of unpacking scripture of understanding it rather than, rather than um, taking verses out of context and keeping them out of context, right? That's what's going on with, with the, with the problem with red letter Christianity uh, is that it is that it's, it's creating a canon within a canon. So Gage, I think that's about all the time we have for this episode. Yeah, it is. Um, be sure and reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. If there's a, a phrase uh, or a popular unhelpful Christianese that, that you're familiar with that you'd love for us to kind of get into, uh, we'd always, always, always love to get feedback from you. Hit us up on social media, our website, or, or email. Um, be sure and subscribe and, and share our episode and leave us a review so things can continue to, to grow and the work and word can spread Uh, we always uh, want if this is helpful to you we want this to be a resource that you can share and share with your friends Um, and until next time this is assurance of pardon god bless